keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts. I am your host, Dan St. Germain, joined, as always, by Robert, Scott, and Mike. How are you guys doing? We, we, we talked to some of our fans this weekend. Oh, yeah, you guys did. I didn't. Nobody asked to talk to me. <laughs> okay, now here's here's the thing about tell that. Tell me Scott. lies, tell me sweet little lies. That's here's, the thing. <laughs> here's the thing about that, Scott. All of your fans don't buy stuff <laughs> because you don't buy stuff. <laughs> well, the eighteen to forty-nine demo, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I talked. <laughs> I talked to a seventy-eight-year-old from Massachusetts. It was nice. Um, he was burying his son. Uh, was he? What happened to Shane? No. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Christ, I was. You say that like it's that much of a stretch. Also, Robert. He's never called him son. No, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, well, we got we got the roast of Gangrel today, but some roasts coming up. We got Darby Allen next week, and Abdul the Butcher with Zach Amico, Alexa Bliss, Kane, Scott Steiner, and Cindy Lauper. So a lot of fun ones coming up. Um, for our $5 Patreon, uh, we're doing the roast of Alberto Del Rio this week, and we're going to answer some fan mail. So uh, check that out, folks. It's going to be a fun one. Alberto's had a crazy couple of years, so <laughs> it'll be uh, it'll be fun to get into that. Halloween Havoc 1993, then we got a week off, and then we're doing The Undertaker in the New Day Haunted ha What's the name of this thing, Robert? I don't know. It's The Undertaker in New Day Netflix Haunted House Spectacular. I think, uh, I think Netflix. the uh, Undertaker, which was something, unfortunately, Chris Canyon was able to do. Uh, the roast oh. of... Nick Gage oh, in November, yeah. World War III. Uh, we're going to be reviewing uh, one of Robert's MLW shows. We're going to be uh, doing well. One of the things that people have expressed was uh, that they wanted to see some us talk through some live shows. So I'm, I'm just we have QT Marshall, the wrestler, but I'd prefer to talk about that without the live aspect of it. Um, I want to do that through a doc. It's it's got to be. I mean, it really should be the current WWE pay-per-views we have to watch. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, then I guess the next one. I don't know when the next one's going to be, though. I think. I think what we should do is let let's let's maybe do a, a poll. Maybe like three shows and people will pick. I also well TLC. I mean that'll happen in December, so we could totally do that. Let's do that. We can do Crown Jewel. It's in the middle of the day. I'm joking. No. I, I was kidding. I'm not, I'm not watching it anyway, let alone voluntarily doing it live, watching it from Saudi Arabia. You know something has to be immoral for it to be from WWE and Robert not to watch it. Yeah, it, it takes it takes a lot. <laughs> yeah. You even sat through that uh, Spike Dudley um, 
I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to think of that murder. What's the name for murder porn? But uh, <laughs> how many times have you typed Spike that into Google? Murder? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, man. I was just making a fucking bad joke. What's the name joke. for murder porn? I don't know, books. That sounds like uh, Spike Dudley seems like a nice guy. Very weird <laughs> ASMR. I know no, he Spike Dudley <laughs> creeps me out because all I think of is that one scene from Beyond the Mat where he's talking about how he was like a school teacher and he's covered in blood while he's standing outside. Like uh, that's the best movie. scene in the movie. He's like quoting as he like quoting Macbeth, I think. As he's like he quotes in blood. he quotes uh, I think does he quote the Tempest? I forget. Yeah. I'm not sure. Let me see. It went from murder point porn to Shakespeare. Spike Dudley's well, yeah, had a like, really versatile Dudley, career. Which is kind of which is fitting because that's kind of the story that we have with Gangrel is also you know, Shakespeare wrote a lot of murder porn. <laughs> that is true. Uh you know that 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 is very true. Yeah, today we're yeah, today we're talking about Gangrel, who feels like one of the nicer guys that we're roasting. <laughs> Yeah, I, I walked away uh, really enjoying Gangrel. He doesn't have a ton of kayfabe accomplishments, but one thing he was was Pro Wrestling Illustrated Wrestler of the Year, which is just kind of cool. And and he's had an incredibly long business, long uh, run in this business. And he started in like nineteen ninety in nineteen eighty eight or something like that, um, eighty seven, and he's still doing it. Uh, he's still you know training training uh, wrestlers like Miro, who has on. I, you know, obviously been awesome. Um, my note was the nicest vampire porn director you're ever going to meet. <laughs> and that's kind of what it feels like. Like all his shoot interviews, he comes across as pretty chill. It's like the opposite of hockey. Um, also, well, like... When you, when you try to convince people to do a thing like that, you know? Yeah, that's what he acts like, yeah. You have to be charming and kind, yeah. You can't, like, act like a real vampire and then expect people to... <laughs> let you direct their porn you have to be like a nice guy and then do creepy things right you ever you ever you ever watch porn and hear the director it, it's the funniest thing hear him <laughs> i've been him I've, I've seen him <laughs> I, I i was always watching and the guy's just like settle down everyone we're not finished <laughs> unreal dude she one thing i i, I worked for these interviews is luna did you hear luna vachon's like uh and uh gangrel's like uh, how we met story it's fucking wild man like gangrel was like backstage and luna vachon came in with like a bloody head and she's like ah! and he's like oh anyway, he got really scared and then like i guess they were taking like a, a car to the event and luna got on top of gangrel and just started punching him in the face and saying why don't you like me and then she bit his back and then and then they got together folks so uh you know that's that's the so if you're that's, single right now, it's your fault. <laughs> she basically is was uh, was was like it was like dating OJ, I guess. But um, it yeah, sounds like uh, this happened on a playground. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, one of the more romantic wrestling <laughs> stories, I guess. They they split up but stayed friends. Um, and he was a stepdad to like one of his kids, so you know he seems he comes off great when he's talking about Mark Marrow. Because uh, I guess they almost got into a fist fight, which, I mean, that would have been <laughs> quite the eyesore. I love that your bright side uh, of Gangrel is just like a few YouTube videos where he talks about somebody else. 
<laughs> he had nice things to say about Shawn Michaels, and I think. <laughs> also, uh, not to I be mean, forget if you, the if you do a shoot interview and you have nice things to say about Shawn Michaels, that is special and deserves to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Appreciated. You are Paul Levesque. Um, <laughs> I uh, I had a Gangrel toy when I was a kid. He was the one character that actually scared the shit out of me. Undertaker never brought any fear out of me. Gangrel uh, was a problem. That's a scary dude. The gimmick like makes sense, you know, but for how long, you know? And then he, you know, you get the fangs, and so Vince Vince changes everybody's character every like four years, you know. But you can't do it because you got fangs. So you're just like, you got to go. I guess you could be a werewolf. I saw him uh, two years ago, the WrestleMania weekend, when Mania was uh, at yeah. MetLife Stadium. He did a show, and he wrestled the longest match of the night. It was like 16 minutes or something. And he did great. Like, he looked great, and he was able to move around and shit. Yeah. And top five entrances of all time. The well, I don't know about top five, but amazing entrance and amazing theme, yeah. Awesome. Robert, well, we'll get to you at the end. Mike, what do you think of Gangrel? I mean, yeah, I'd go top five uh, entrances and, and the music. I mean, Edge just did it and still got a massive pop. I, I think it's one of uh, Johnston's, like, underrated songs. The song's fucking great. The visual's great. The spitting of the blood. Did they, did they do the blood spit before the Triple H water spit? I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. So even that was, you know, the whole thing is awesome. I mean, you know, like, yeah, this time period is a blind spot for me. But when I ever I watch anything from it, I'm like, oh, that's fucking cool. And yeah, like, yeah. I think I was like 15, 16 when Gangrel came out. I think if I was like two years younger, he would have been my favorite wrestler. And I would have been. <laughs> and he would have murdered kids at a school. <laughs> yeah. And he, I mean, I, no, he's like the, like the nicest dude. I, I have like a quick story about him. I, I think Robert has a longer one, but um, I did a roast of Iron Sheik and uh, Gangrel was on the dais and he was just very nice. And um, he was just looking for help to on how to do a roast set and i've worked with a lot of people he was uh one of the most like patient and like kind and like like understood it like a lot of people you'll try to tell them how to do a roast and they'll fight against it and he was like i got it, buddy and then he did it and he was great like you know like we wrote jokes it was like in my head i'm like i'm writing fucking roast jokes with gangrel in the back of the comedy store <laughs> and uh it was a cool fucking moment uh he's yeah really really sweet and uh obviously yeah loves his own gimmick but not in a sad honky-tonk way like that's what's crazy is that i think like even though he looks like gangrel i think you still i don't think david heath the person has been lost and and that's pretty Im impressive. I mean, I'm imagining we're gonna see him in the um, Dark Side Luna coming up. Yeah, we're definitely he's definitely gonna be in that. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Great. And I, and I feel like he's gonna come up really well, which you can't say about a lot of wrestlers. I mean, almost the all the interviews show. are gonna be like. And then I ducked when she threw a toaster at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's gonna be like shit like that, like. <laughs> Um, Robert, you, you, you know, Gangrel, you were the best man at his wedding. I, I was, I, I held the chalice of, uh, 
blood. Uh, it was mm-hmm. not. I, um, first of all, as a Gangrel as the wrestler, what I loved about Gangrel is there was a true commitment to the character. There was never any point in time where he was like winking at the audience or didn't make you believe like, all right, I, I may not believe a lot of what these guys do, but like that dude's that dude's a fucking vampire uh, or believes he's a vampire. And they have had other people do vampire gimmicks. You know, Kevin Furtick did it. It, it never worked the same. The, the, the gangrel music was great. He's responsible for, for getting edge and Christian over at first. Um, I always loved when I would play the video games because his name was copywritten elsewhere. So it'd be the only thing on the, on the loading screen where everything was like WWF, WWF, and then this one thing for Gangrel. And as a, as a future lawyer, that just makes me very, very happy. I, I believe that it was owned by, I think, Wizards of the West Coast. I think it was like a part of like Magic the Gathering. It was I, one of those. I Michael Jackson owned it. <laughs> <laughs> he bought that in the Beatles catalog the same day. I'm, I'm on yesterday and Gangrel's name. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so when I was so this is a, a a weird like in my in my non wrestling life, uh, trying to hide any association I had to wrestling. I was working. I was in uh, in house counsel for the Florida Panthers, uh, who are kind of a professional sports team, but not really. And uh, my office was in the arena. So you're you're you have plenty of times you walk around the arena during the day. And the lights aren't always on. And I'm walking through this one private club area, and there's just a shadow in the corner. And I look over, and it's fucking Gangrel. It's almost pitch black, and he's, he's lit with a red exit sign. And I just walk up, I'm like, dude, he really is a character from Blade. It was terrifying. I'm like, are you Gangrel? He's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're getting a tour of the building because his buddy was there. His buddy, who I came to find out after I shook his hand, was the star of his porns. So I had to go wash my hand after. And really nice guy. I had a, had a conversation with him. He gives me his business card. I put it in my suit pocket. And, you know they and still leave. have cum on the hands. <laughs> I, I don't know what they were doing right before no, they got to the he found out it was arena. the guy by looking up the porn. Then he had to wash his hands because he came in his hand. <laughs> that's exactly, yes. That's, that's what it was. It was more, it was the direction. It was really like all you needed is gangrel that red light. That'd be it, hard was very, it was very Hitchcockian. Uh, and then that they came to the game that night. I get paged, and they're like, "Hey, we need you to come in at guest services." Gangrel and this other guy are there, and they're like, "Oh, it's our buddy Rob." And I'm like, "Hi." We they had a giant stack of free drink coupons for the strip club that they were opening. So here I am, the buttoned-up attorney, and all they see is the vampire giving me a stack of strip club uh, gift uh, gift redeem things. As if this couldn't get any better, I go home. My wife goes to get my suit dry cleaned. And she, the, the dry cleaner goes, oh, this card was in the pocket. It was Gangrel's card for his swingers club that he runs. And my wife oh, looks nice. at this and she goes, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, no, 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 it's wrestling. And as, like, soon as, said it was wrestling, yeah, as soon as I said it was wrestling, she completely understood. I'm like, no, 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 it's a, it's a fake vampire who runs a swingers club that came to the hockey arena. And somehow in my life, all of that made complete and total sense. So thank you, Gangrel, for almost costing me my marriage. Appreciate it. <laughs> you guys should go. It would be a couple bonding time. Look, look, Robert, the fact that your wife has never punched you in the face means, is it really a marriage, according to Gangrel? <laughs> yeah. I think we should, have, we should all go with our wives to Gangrel's Swinger Club. That should be like our Christmas celebration for the podcast. Um, <laughs> Maybe not during COVID. Folks, oh, that's so funny. That's uh, all right. Blood so, is totally COVID safe. <laughs> Mike, Mike is going to determine the order, but Mike, can I go first because my laptop is dying and I want to be able to use my laptop? And yeah. then 
I can zoom in. Thank you. The Roasted Gangrel. Gangrel is what would happen if Marty Jannetty got his shit together. Uh, Gangrel <laughs> looks like Christian with a shellfish allergy. <laughs> Fangin' and bangin' is definitely a better slogan than humping and dumping, which is what Otis and Dewdrop do at Waffle House. <laughs> Gangrel entered the ring the same way Benoit left it. He... <laughs> He's lost boys, but Thousand Island instead of blood. He looked like he was using Edge and Christian to sneak into high school parties. Porn is just wrestling with a cleaner finish. For Gangrel, a coffin drop is an accident he and the other Paul Bearers had carrying Mabel's casket. I should have just used that for next week. Gangrel is proof that if you never give up and pursue your passion, you too can have a life you don't realize is shitty. <laughs> uh, Stu Hart took one of Gangrel's teeth, which sounds like the beginning of Canadian Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. uh, Luna screamed at you, punched you in the face, bit your back, and then we're together for another 13 years. You didn't get married, Gangrel. You were taken hostage. <laughs> He played an uncredited prisoner with Crohn's and Human Centipede 3, which is the shitty Mike Lawrence origin story no one asked for. <laughs> He's the greatest argument against white privilege. He used to be uh, Pretty Boy Dave Heath. Has there ever been a legitimate pretty boy in wrestling? They all look like what happened if a rotisserie chicken could grow a soul patch. <laughs> <laughs> He went by the Puerto Rican vampire, or if you're Jackson Riker, vampire. <laughs> He's only scary if you imagine that the entrance happened after he went down on Luna on her period. Uh, Gangrel got his clothing from Hot Topic and his body from Hot Pocket. <laughs> He's the greatest three-man group of all time. For the Broods, the greatest three-man group of all time. You don't count the NWO, the Shield, the New Day, Jersey Triad, the Wyatt Family, Demolition, and that Brad Maddox, Page, Xavier Woods sex tape. <laughs> All right, that's it for uh, that's it for me, folks. All right, uh, Scotty. <clears throat> All right, Gangrel, great guy, awful vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Holy water burns him, and so does his pee. To this day, he's in perfect shape. Unfortunately, that shape is a hexagon. <laughs> uh, he decided to wear fangs after he added the letter N to the word everyone was calling him. <laughs> he, can't see he can't see his reflection because he doesn't own a mirror. The gangrel gimmick was inspired by Lost Boys. That's Lost Boys, not to be confused with Lost Girls, which is what happens when Teddy Hart drinks. <laughs> He's your OJ. Yeah, I love him. He looks like a toad in a Halloween costume. <laughs> I'm not saying he's ignorant, but he calls Thailand Transylvania. Huh? He once spit blood on Donald Trump. Hey, man, who the hell do you think you are? Hillary Clinton? <laughs> Luna was the mama fratelli to Gangrel Sloth. It was love at first fight. They complimented each other. He could turn into a bat, and she was batshit. 
<laughs> he hisses if you show him a cross, but only because he was molested by a priest. <laughs> <laughs> he sleeps upside down, but only because that's how he passed out. <laughs> In the uncensored version of Monster Mash, there's a verse about Gangrel getting kicked out for taking a shit in the punch bowl. <laughs> he looks like Billy Idol if that plane scene in The Wedding Singer took place on a megabus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's one. Oh, man, uh, I confused the two, so I have to remind myself. Billy Idol sang Eyes Without a Face, and Gangrel makes me wish I had a face without eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he opened a wrestling school because it's the only type of school he doesn't have to stay 2,000 feet from. <laughs> He's nocturnal, but only because the sun hurts his hangovers. And finally, he can only enter a room by being invited in. That has nothing to do with being a vampire. It's just something a judge decided. <laughs> great. Right, oh that was great <laughs> who's next mike uh, robert yeah all right, all right. <clears throat> like any vampire gangrel had to avoid the light so he only competed in dark matches <laughs> start out with scott joke it's fine uh, <laughs> gangrel is what would have happened if the vampires in twilight drank guinness instead of blood <laughs> vampires are immortal which means he'll wander the earth for all eternity, remembering what Luna sounds like when she comes. Ah, <laughs> uh, for a simpler time, when the bloodbath referred to viscous liquid pouring from the ceiling and not Nick Khan going over the roster. <laughs> Gangrel directed porn, which makes sense since he was known for coming up with creative finishes. <laughs> Gangrel was a favorite of Vince McMahon. McMahon loved the idea of a wrestler who couldn't die. <laughs> Christian was mistakenly paired with Gangrel because Bruce Pritchard didn't understand what Vince meant when he said Christian sucks. <laughs> Gangrel was trained by Boris Malenko, which seems fitting that a fake Russian would teach a fake Russian, a fake, ah, fuck. Fuck. Man, that would have been good. Fuck. I could tell. We'll it was going to be good. I'm doing it. Fuck it. We're doing it again. We're live, pal. We're live, pal. <laughs> I'm like Sid all of a sudden. Billy, what's his name? Get me some scissors. I'm Sid. All right. Gangrel was trained by Boris Malenko, which seems fitting that a fake Russian would teach a fake vampire a fake sport. It was worth going back for that. <laughs> Fuck you. Gangrel competed in stampede wrestling and got the idea to do a vampire gimmick after seeing the Hart brothers sucking the life out of Stu's promotion. <laughs> Gangrel was part of the Ministry of Darkness, which people don't know is just the nickname for talent relations. And in the end, you'd think we'd be scared to roast a sinister vampire, but Gangrel once wrestled as pretty boy Dave Heath, so at least we know he has a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> all right and finally mr we're Michael starting Lawrence. halloween off right roasting gangrel he's a vampire he's shaped like a pumpkin and his wife is a ghost <laughs> <laughs> yes he was married to luna even though he never fucked her she always fucked him <laughs> they were both baptized by nikita koloff and converted to christianity that's amazing I don't know, maybe she'd still be alive if she was converted to being a vampire <laughs> uh, we were gonna roast midian but we decided to make fun of someone less important 
<laughs> Years before Nick Camarado, Gangrel perfected the art of wrestling while wearing an outfit made of Arby's napkins. <laughs> As Ultimate Warrior proved with a great physique and an awesome entrance, you could be a star. Gangrel had one of those things. <laughs> the brood entrance is still the preferred soundtrack guys listen to when they go down on a woman who's on her period. Uh, <laughs> he was so bad at promos, Christian looked like a star next to him. It was the only time. <laughs> he's such a good vampire that even when he started wrestling, he already looked like he was in the twilight of his career. Oh, get the fuck out of here with that one. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> He's supposed to be an immortal vampire, but 20 years ago, he looked like Greg the Hammer Valentine now. <laughs> <laughs> he surgically gave himself fangs. His mouth is even more dangerous than Tommy Dreamer's. <laughs> uh, you got to give it to him for continuing to live the gimmick that died the same year Hoobastank was on the radio. <laughs> finally uh he's gonna have those fangs forever yes he's a boring wrestler but he's going to be a great skeleton oh <laughs> uh, gangrel everybody the rest of gangrel mike I'm, I'm coming in on my cell phone if you can let me in yeah um just because i'm about to die Rose i mean it's hard for dan to oh say God, i'm about Dan's to die us not take it seriously <laughs> all right i'm back um Let's get to show and hell. By the way, Gangrel seems like a good guy. That was one of the more fun roasts <laughs> after after Honky Tonk Man. I was like, oh, I and JBL. I'm like, I like Gangrel. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's pretty good dude. Um, he's a super nice guy. And if you don't uh, if you don't follow him on uh, on Facebook, he does a lot of Facebook Live stuff from his school, and he's got a lot of interesting insight on the business. And he's very he's very generous with his time. Uh, when I when I worked with him uh, in MLW, he was not only was he super nice, he was just sitting and talking to all the younger guys and just imparting wisdom. Um, really, like one of the genuinely good dudes who, by every account, should be a total scumbag when you say he's a vampire who directs porn. Um, super yeah. nice guy. The one, the one member of the brood I would have been okay with beating a Kenny Omega. <laughs> you know, I am um, a patriot, Mike. He's the only American. And he lives in Fort Lauderdale. And and wasn't he he popped up in that weird Sammy Guevara Matt Hardy uh taped match and everyone yeah, was just like oh. it was actually pretty funny. I mean I Exactly. He was like, Oh nice, it's Ken Grell. The ma the, the the match itself wasn't very good, but he uh, blamed Matt Hardy for betraying the new brood, which is hilarious because it was like an angle for a week. So, like, he gets it, man. He gets yeah. it. Well, All right, for also, sure. He, when he was a part of the Minis ministry, he was getting cheers, right? And then they split him up, or what happened? But they it's like they broke up. the group apart fairly quickly, and it was over. Yeah, they turned his, then he turned his back on Edge and Christian, and then, you know, just was the guy that people beat for essentially after that. But um, he seems a lot more tolerable of a hang than Vampiro. That's for sure. <laughs> we want to, if we want to compare vampire hangs. Yeah. Speaking of hanging vampires, let's get to show and hell. Yeah. Yeah. Show and hell. Um, I, I stumbled upon, I, instead of giving you guys the gangrel porn, I gave you, uh, well, I guess somebody could come to this. It was the undertaker strangling 
Gangrel from uh, Over the Rope. Um, yeah, Gangrel, David Carradine would come to this. Dude, <laughs> uh, not only did uh, by the way, reminds me of that great fucking Norm bit. If you haven't seen it, the autoerotic asphyxiation bit. It's so great. Um, Gangrel, uh, you're either coming job. or going. <laughs> does it, Gangrel does a great job selling in this, um, and it's you know JBL doing it, which just seems like fucking the worst episode of Wrestlers Court ever. But uh, you know, it was uh, it was very Attitude Era, man. It was just like who would have thought that like was this was this after he hung Big Boss Man or was it before? I think it was after. This was, this was before was February second, and that was the end of March. Oh, and wow. he claims it almost killed him. He said that Midian was on the outside and like had, uh, I guess, whoever was holding it. What you're saying, Bradshaw, like had him let right. it go because he was like genuinely choking. He was passing out. Jesus Christ! Well, it looks Even great. Before that, there's like boogers coming out of his nose and stuff. That's no fun. No, that's it. You you don't want a booger problem as a grown man. Never. Especially when you're dressed like what would he's like a perfect. Especially comedy. when you when you're when you're addicted to the taste of them. <laughs> the problem too is that like my my problem with this was you can't hang a vampire. That is not a way to hurt a vampire. It canonically does not work. <laughs> yeah, but everyone, you, know, you could hold it tight, I guess. Did everyone see Midnight Mass this past weekend? I saw the trailer. Does that count? It's like seven hours long. No, what yeah. is this? I don't even know what it is. It's like a horror. It's the same guy who did Haunting a Hell House. But um, anyway, check it. If you like Salem's a lot, you'll like uh, you'll like this. I just want to be like like Cornette. Like is that an ad? <laughs> <laughs> I just want I just want Cornette to be like fuck you, Vince Russo. You know even less about vampires than pro wrestling. Dude, Vince, uh, what's it called? Cornette. I listened to that clip where he was like praising the uh, Daniel Bryan. Oh. I mean, Danielson Kenny Omega match. It's it's insufferable because it's like Brian carried Omega to his first good match. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so fucking stupid. So stupid. Also, like you can kind of tell, like you know, Kenny kind of. It seemed like he controlled a lot of the pace of that match. Anyway, yeah. I mean, and even I mean, if you didn't, like, I mean, you can't just be carried to a 30-minute time limit draw like that, unless, you know, no. it's in the ring with you. No, it's crazy. Anybody else have anything to say about... Oh, yeah, so uh, so this was this is peak, like, loving and hating watching wrestling at the same time, where if anybody yeah. were to walk in, and I'm like, yeah, they're the uh, this evil cult is hanging a vampire. Um, it was also weird, because it was a weird heel versus heel thing, where it was the brood against the ministry. But this is also the dumbest Undertaker... Uh, look outside of Teardrop Undertaker where he's wearing the robe where he has a goatee and he has the the uh, eyebrow ring so it makes him look like a like an emo kid as opposed to any semblance of terrifying and it's uh it, it, the, I he, like, they, you know I like the dark order I mean the uh, dark uh, the ministry storyline uh, higher power I did enjoy that if yeah but like Scott asked before like if someone actually tried to explain to you the ministry storyline they have an easier time explaining TNA's booking decisions because the ministry made no fucking sense whatsoever. And they kept changing direction and changing direction. And then in the end, well, that's the big man of it all ruined it. But I thought everything leading up to it was 
I mean, they were kind of good at the Cardi shit of, like, you were wondering what the fuck was happening. But the teddy bear thing I thought was a nice touch. Well, like, yeah, where to Stephanie was was cool. But I think this was just, <laughs> like, Br- Bradshaw seemed a little too comfortable using that noose. That's the only, that was my only takeaway on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I watched uh, a clip of this because I'd never seen it. And I watched the whole thing, like, because... This is this is like the attitude era to me in a nutshell. Like it's it's a tag match. I think it opens the show. Um mm. the the clip the clip that I watched was nine minutes long. The match didn't start yeah. until three three and a half minutes in. Then the match ends two and two and a half minutes later by DQ. Uh <laughs> because all the other uh ministry guys come in. And then fucking, uh, and then the, like, the post, the, the pre-match and the post-match are longer than the match, which is every fucking Attitude Era match. Yep. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we know it, and Vince Russo has said it, wrestling does not matter at all. Um, it only exists to, um, you know, f- fulfill the angles, and, and that worked for a while. I mean... I guess it's different than Raw now where they do the same shit. It's just the match is 17 minutes. But um, it, the other note I had was uh, everything Viscera does looks like it hurts because it definitely hurts. <laughs> it's it's hard watching him do that fucking leg drop after knowing, like, what it did to, like, Taker's eye and the splash after what it did to Nash's back. Well, and, and the travel for a guy like that. That's the thing, yeah. Like just yeah. being five hundred pounds and like fucking, you know. And, and he having was having pr- to leave your house is insane. Yeah, he wasn't. It's not like he was making great money. You know what I mean? He was like probably making good money, but like you got to buy three fucking seats for an airplane. I have, I have, I have a question, uh, which is because, um, like I said, I was watching. Do they explain does? Does is it Mabel that becomes Viscera, or just Viscera comes in and Mabel's never mentioned? Mabel's never mentioned. Yeah, he's just he's just Viscera. Midian so is just who they guys that look like this, right? No, well, Midian they convert. Midian okay. they kidnap and turn him into Midian because he's in um, he's Phineas, right? He, he, yeah, uh, yeah, the Godwins, yeah, yeah. He was Phineas Godwin. They made him into Midian. Viscera just showed up as Viscera. Because he was he was off TV for a while. Learn learn he was learning a new hold, Mike. Uh, <laughs> then he found Missy Elliott's uh, garbage bag and decided to use it as ring gear. Viscera <laughs> also just a super nice guy. Um, when we when, when I was working with him, it was during when he was wearing pajamas. So that was his whole game. It just he couldn't have been a nicer dude. Um, but yeah, he looked like everything was very uncomfortable. Like standing and breathing did not seem like a, a good thing for him. No, no, he lived every day like it was his last because one of them was going to be. Well, we'll be roasting him soon. (laughs) (laughs) I think we just did. I don't know, Uh, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to. It's just, yeah, I mean, there's a a lot with – then we'd have to watch King Mabel. (laughs) Yeah, but then you get to watch Men on a Mission, and you get to realize how amazing Mo and Oscar were. Is, Is that type of overweight considered a disability? Yes, absolutely. 
So if yeah. he didn't wrestle, he he could like because he can't do anything else. Right. If he didn't wrestle, it's like that one episode of The Simpsons where Homer wears a moo and gets a garbage bag of popcorn. Uh, that's pretty much. That's pretty much uh, Nelson Fraser's life. That, that made me laugh because I feel like the bird Homer uses was more useful than Mo, <laughs> Sir Mo, the other Mo. PLC special like the. It's like 600 pounds. My life's a prison. I forget what the fuck it's called. But I, I, it, yeah, I, I feel like any any flight that had all of men on a mission is a plane ride from hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like this guy, I mean, I just watched this like my 600 pound life. And it's like this guy, he can't even fucking move. He's got to, he had to go into a kiddie pool to get goddamn washed down, which is and like. And yet they make it out of their house for wrestling shows. <laughs> because I have never in my life gone to a wrestling event where there wasn't someone who was like morbidly obese ever. Yeah. I mean, it's uh look, man, it's, it's our uh, little affair, you know? And, and let's be honest. If you're like 500 pounds, you either wear a tarp or a stone cold shirt. They, they only make two things. <laughs> Well, folks, it's time for We Must Hate Ourselves World Cup. We keep trudging along, and we got a, we got to, we got a good one this week. I think a clear winner, too, but uh, the Gobbledygooker versus the Zodiac. Mike, which gimmick is worse? What moves on? Oh, man, this is, this is the toughest one so far because they're both terrible, and the Gobbledygooker – the main thing that sucks about it, it sucks. I'm not going to lie. It doesn't, you know, I mean, it is my favorite Survivor Series 90 debut. Um, but no, that's, I mean, that's what's amazing. Historically, this is the same fucking. Wait, are you, you're not an Undertaker fan, right? I am an are Undertaker you? fan. No, I love him. I mean, I was making a joke, but like, it is amazing. No, no, I was wondering. I was actually wondering because I, I was seeing, yeah. you know, who. Yeah, but it is fascinating. The same company and, and pay-per-view that introduces a guy who ends up being in the company for, you know, 30 years also introduces Hector Guerrero in a turkey costume. Um, I mean, it's it's so interesting because I, I think the biggest detriment to this, like, as just a in-ring bad segment for the pay-per-view, yeah, it sucks, but it's in line with the times in many ways. It's the lead-up. It's the egg. Like, people, right. thought, people thought this was going to be Ric Flair. Uh Dude, this was so bad that, like, two years later, they had a fake Quentin impersonator, and nobody said shit. They're like, thank God for this fake Quentin impersonator. So I don't yeah, he's terrible at WrestleMania 10. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. yeah, and the Gooker, they bring up all the time. Um, but I am – I'm going to pick Zodiac because wow. – and, and it lasted longer. And also, just, to, like, you're watching him as the Zodiac and realizing – this motherfucker main evented a Starcade a few months before. I mean, and it was as the butcher, but it was still like, at least like you know, everyone wanted the Gooker there for Thanksgiving. There was one person that wanted Ed Leslie on the card. We know, and it wasn't even Ed Leslie. Uh, Here, I have a question for you, Mike. We know what Ed Leslie got at a Hogan's friendship. What did Hogan get at Ed Leslie's friendship? He's like, one, probably. What? His wife, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, that's interesting, Mike. I didn't think you were going to go that way. Scott, who's, which, which gimmick is worse? What's moving on? Dude, it's weird because Gobbledygooker is only bad because 
they hyped it up and then it, it, it was really supposed to be a mascot, right? Either yeah. for the night or for the WWE. And yeah. yeah, and that's totally fine. It's just the idea that you are treating it like it's a debut of anything as opposed to just starting the show and mentioning there's a mascot here. Uh, that's where that gimmick fails because it's not a gimmick, it's a mascot. And then they stretched it because it was a fail. Uh, and now they can like kind of rewrite history and act like it was, so, like people act like this thing was supposed to wrestle or something. Um, the Zodiac though, I have a question. So I've never seen any of these WCW guys, but when I saw his debut, it matched up with a lot of other guys, like debuts, I guess. Is, is it kind of like, the way it looked to me is like Power Rangers when, uh, when Rita like, <laughs> sends a new guy down, you know? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So what is that? This Kevin Sullivan thing? He's, I've never seen this before. What well, is there's it? the Taskmaster and, and uh, the fat guy. I know he's King Curtis Ikea. What he's was great. The Master, was it? Yeah. Was, he was really good. The at guy that. sitting on the throne, he looks like stones. Yeah. Sullivan, my son. Yeah. Yeah, I love so that shit. They kept adding people, and it was a way for Hogan to just get a lot of his buddies in. This was when, you know, uh, Tenta is the shark. I think I think Kamala comes in. You have Lockton. <laughs> yep. You have the Yete. Oh, oh, White the Giants. Yeah. Final Solution was part of that. I mean, it's it's amazing to think, like Scott, like this is like some of this happens within the same year as the NWO. I I feel like the last pay per view where he fights the Dungeon Hogan and and uh, Randy. I feel like like Hall and Nash are already there, and it's weird to think that these were in a similar fucking timeline. And so they dropped it fairly quick because because it it, it I I don't mind it. I think it's an interesting. It's it's kind of lucha undergroundy, right? Very. It's much, not yeah. good. It's really bad. Oh, I mean, but it's bad. Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah. It reminded me of Power Rangers, and I was like, ah, if I was a kid, I'd shit. I, a lot of people didn't like Witch Underground, but I was kind of impressed by what they did. You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was different. And I mean, I guess it's what EC3 is kind of trying to do now. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I just did this. This was just, you know, like, this just felt like the most Kevin Sullivan y thing. It's like, of course, there's going to be a wrestler called Zodiac. And of course, uh, Kevin, like, uh, Sullivan, who really should have been booking He Man. Like he he was into that kind of shit, but I'm gonna go with gobbledygook or guys just because it's like all he was was the worst parts of Doink, you know. Doink had like the cool heel thing, and then uh, eventually turned into this generic baby face that everybody hated. He just started out like that, so I'm gonna go with gobbledygooker. Although I guess it wasn't close. It was close. Scott, did you go Zodiac or gobbledygooker? Uh, I think who's I I think. Zodiac is a worse gimmick. Whoa. Dude, because wow. this is like a written out character, not like a thing that failed one night. Yeah. This is a plan and it, it's it's fucking trash. Yes, no, no, yes. What the fuck? Because they like talk to they go yes and he goes no, and then they go no and he goes yes. I don't even know what the fuck the character is. Yeah, and I go, what is that? I go, Zodiac sign? Is that what do they think that means? He's a toddler. Thinking. Yeah, he's a toddler being difficult. That's he's a toddler f- dressed like a zebra. Um, <laughs> I, I, I look the, the the gobbledygooker was was maligned because yeah, like Mike said, people thought this was going to be Flair. Taker actually was worried that they were going to have him come out of the egg. He's, they told that story before, and they they put a Guerrero under there because this is the kind of wacky gimmick that could have worked. Um, 
the fact that it. <laughs> oh man, Robert is such a WWE apologist. No, it's not. It's no. This is this is in Vince's mind. If we could have guys go out and wrestle in costumes, we could create wacky costumes. So the fact that the gobbledygooker didn't work spared us years of you know people in animal costumes and furry convention knockoffs wrestling. So I'm I'm thankful for that. Mean Gene made the most of it. He danced. That was good. The Zodiac just. It, it sucked because, yes, it sucked because you're giving Ed Leslie time when there were so many guys in the WCW roster who never got any opportunity whatsoever. It sucked even worse because it didn't make sense. It was like they just threw together stuff like you were making a creator wrestler and you just hit random. And you're like, he's going to have tassels and face paint. And it, it was it was completely nonsensical. And, I, I, and I've said this before. I like a character that you can say as an elevator pitch. I can say what the gobbledygooker is. It's a, you know, a wrestling luchador turkey. Fuck, that sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. To explain what the Zodiac is, it's the guy who holds Hogan's weed needed a reason to be on the road. And the Dungeon of Doom always sucked. Because when you watch them, WCW would have been fine if they didn't try to be WWF light. They didn't do WWF stuff well. And when you tried to go after kids, it came across not like Power Rangers. It was VR Trooper. It was the, the Virtual bad reality with, trooper with uh, Joey Lawrence's VR. brother. Yeah, of course you would know. Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, baby. That's what you're talking about. The brother, country Kuka like Clock Hot Zulu Warriors. I can't see it, but Adina is packing her bags in back of <laughs> she already left. Uh, but yeah, so it's to me, it's, it's Zodiac by, by a landslide. Wow. Well, we don't even need to get to Zach. It was three for Zach. Would you have gone Zodiac or? At this or, point, uh, Dan's going to realize Zach is not here. Zach is in here, Dan. Oh, that's right. He that's was right. never here the whole time. Oh, my God. It's, it's been in my head the whole time. Um, yeah, I thought yeah, that, Dan, don't worry. Now you, now you don't have to be as professional as you've been through the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I, I thought that uh, – so I guess I – guess, Ed Leslie moves on. One of the many gimmicks of Ed Leslie moves He's on. He's just hoping he gets a gift card if he wins this. So. Most, most people, um, I don't know, man. Like most, like, uh, like one of the things that Vince has always wanted to do is create his Mickey Mouse, and it's just never happened. Yeah, like he always John Cena. That's true. <laughs> You're right. That is. Because Mickey Mouse also loves China. <laughs> it, 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 it's also uh, amazing. Uh, me and Dan, we roasted uh, Ed Leslie. And I got to say, one of the toughest people I've ever roasted because he just no-sold. And I, I really felt bad making fun of him. And, and let me tell you something. He didn't no sell like a wrestler who knew we were making fun of him. He knew so. He no sold like like Grandma lost at a Walmart. You know what I mean? It was a very different no selling. It was yeah. Mike, what's your? I think I said during the roast, like, dude, you're six six, and I still feel like I'm punching down. <laughs> <laughs> it felt so uncomfortable, and he just sits I, there. I tried to get attention. I just put a pill in a pill bottle, and I shook it at him. I mean, I'm only I'm only saying these stories now because, like, I don't know if I want to listen again because I feel like he'll listen and then just be hurt more. Because you think he has Wi-Fi access? <laughs> I think we're fine. Well, like, the, the subway 
I have to get Wi-Fi. Yeah, the subway station he's working for now might happen. <laughs> they had, I mean, they had anthrax access. <laughs> All right, let's get to high spot, low spot. We're doing a little bit differently this week. Dynamite is going to be towards the end. Um, Mike, what was your high spot this week? My uh, high spot this week was, uh, you know, Dark Side of the Ring being back. Um, you know, uh, we didn't talk that much last week about it, um, but the, the plane, episode, yeah, it was good. The plane ride episode, uh, the plane ride from hell was, you know, not good for some of the people on it. Uh, I, I love the episodes where they have someone outside of wrestling talking about how absurd it is. And I, I thought it was, uh, incredible that that woman, Heidi Doyle, you know, came forward and, and, and spoke about what happened to her and, you know, um, and the repercussions that have happened since because of that, I feel, uh, are, are good. And then, uh, yeah, the Canyon episode was very sad, um, you know, uh, but this is a show, like, I mean, I I like watching wrestling. I love watching stuff about wrestling. Um, I, I the, the culture of it all and um, the stories and, you know, when you get people to talk about the truth behind all of the lies that we've been told um, is really fascinating. So I, I really love that the, the show is back and excited to see the rest of the episodes this season. It also humanizes guys in a way like I've never been the biggest Brian Cage fan, but I thought he came across really well in that Canyon episode. I've never been the, hu the, the hugest, the biggest Young Bucks fan, uh, but they also represent, represented themselves really well on that Canyon episode. And then the sinister minister in costume talking about everything that happened to him. Um, seeing the pictures of what he looked like when he was in WCW kind of makes me want to delve into, you know, what, uh, what, what the hell led you to that? I mean, also, yeah, I mean, the, the craziest part of that, that episode was when he hires the, the, the prostitute to, to have sex with Canyon on tape and Canyon doesn't show up and he's like, so, you know, I mean, she was there. <laughs> <laughs> The meter was running. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, yeah. The, the the saddest thing about the episode to me is that there was no one outside of wrestling. Um, you know, there was no family members of Canyon. There was no partner of Canyon. Um, and maybe they they probably couldn't have gotten access to one, which just adds more to the loneliness of that guy's life. I felt, yeah, I felt really bad for him at the end of it, and just really sad. Also a good reminder that nobody who ever went on Howard Stern came out looking good. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, except somehow Howard Stern. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, oh, right. right? He, like, judges uh, X Factor now or something? Oh, no, he did. America's Got Talent. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, what's amazing is this week is, I think, Onita and FMW, and I'm like, Man, I'm excited to see how Flair looks terrible in this one. <laughs> <laughs> what was your low spot this week, Mike? My low spot would have to be um, the ending of uh, Extreme Rules was <laughs> insulting and terrible. And there was someone on the, the, the Facebook forum that tried to defend it, and, and their defense of it was terrible. It was just well, no, I think – because, listen, I don't think it's the ending that's the problem, though. The ending, look, the, if someone rigged it to help Roman, that's bullshit because 
you've already suspended disbelief. He's a demon. And so it snapped because his energy was too strong and he's got to hone his powers. Sadly, that's the decision they have to make. This is the corner they put themselves in. <laughs> you have to go that direction. Everything else is stupid. And it's yes, also, that's stupid, but it's at least it makes sense. the corner that Gangrel and Luna had sex in. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, the part that sucks about it is the demon was a, already a character we liked. And then they added these fiend-like things to him that suck, like the grunting, like the being revived by red lights and his music pulling out a giant kendo like a cartoon kendo stick it's fucking trash and look if it was played off as silly i would laugh about it but they go oh my goodness what is happening like if you smile while you do it i will get a kick out of it let us in a little bit that you know it's stupid audiences are that smart now um but this isn't that and what what about this week scotty well, I guess it, I guess I just stole mics, right? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Sure. No, Mike, go ahead. Keep talking uh, about that. I think we should all talk about that, no? No, I mean, whatever. I, yeah, I just thought the, the whole thing was dumb. And, I mean, yeah, the pay-per-view was just – it wasn't even a bad pay-per-view. And individually, most of the matches were fine. It really is just the presentation and the staleness of modern WWE makes it so hard to watch um Scott, what, was, what was your high spot this week um my high spot this is crazy but on dark elevation uh which we were at the tapings for there was the matches i mean for the crowd alone it's really fun to watch um because we were super hot for that um but my favorite thing is in between the matches they had these videos of interviews with Eddie Kingston and uh, Homicide before the show. Brian Danielson after the sh- after Grand Slam. Uh, MJF after Grand Slam. And these promos are just phenomenal. Uh, and they made me really excited to, uh, to continue watching this shit. Uh, even though I, I don't need enticing. But uh, yeah, that. And also we didn't, you know, we're recording this Tuesday right now. So I don't know what happens on Dynamite. Um, so I'm saying this. <laughs> Way to, way to peel back the curtain. Dan's like, we're going to talk about Dynamite in a few minutes. And it's going to be recorded this two days prior. So if Gangrel oh, dies between now and the release, <laughs> you'll know why we're still making fun of him. Yeah, but, but it's also important that we do say that because I think we're going to be talking about Dynamite, me, Dan, and you without Scott. And if Scott's not there to talk about Dynamite, people think he's dead. <laughs> yeah. uh, my high spot this week was actually just UFC and the like everything UFC this week. Like I, I, I they're paying off off the Jorge Masvidal Jericho thing. I really hope that turns into a match. And I mean, I look. I know this isn't wrestling, but uh, the UFC card on Saturday night was tremendous. And uh, told was just like I don't know. It was everything that I used to love about wrestling. But uh, yeah, so that's a uh, UFC is my highlight this week. <laughs> And uh, all about wrestling was the brawl for all. <laughs> the low spot. Well, I'm sorry. One second. My wife is like milking a cow in here. Uh, okay. okay. Um, my, uh, the low spot is Dan's dogs have not interfered once during this show. And we're disappointed. <laughs> Dan is being removed from Dan, the house Dan, right Dan now. Dan was like, hey, honey, Zach's not on this one. You can milk the cows now. <laughs> um, and my, uh, my low spot this week was. I missed uh, the Hurt Business coming back together. Wait, 
Oh, you, oh, you missed it. That's your low spot. Ah, with his wife in the room. He's like, I missed raw. Cause I had to be out with my wife. That's my low spot. <laughs> Damn you woman and your sexual desires. Dude, I hated that hurt business thing. It, dude, there's no feeling to any of it. They announce a steel cage match with two of your biggest stars. And it feels like nothing because you're just like throwing it at us. It's such an empty devoid company. But anyway, continue. Why yeah, you... I mean, it's like her business, and I want to see them back together. Um, <laughs> Dan's crying That's right it. Now. Sometimes that's all you want from wrestling. <laughs> I'm also eating a cannoli while I say this. Robert, what was your high spot, low spot? High spot my, high spot my high spot this week, which surprised the hell out of me, Monday Night Raw was one of the best episodes of Raw You're I've seen. Out of your mind, Robert. It was if fucking not this trash. Oh, it was talk. trash. It was trash. Were you watching a different show? This show compared to extreme rules was like a it was leaps and bounds better and it was a lame duck show because you're going into a draft everything's going to get reset the Big E lashley match especially the cage match was awesome uh the the uh damian priest sheamus no no dq match after burying damian priest the night before and saying i don't ever want to see this guy again he turns it around he put together a really great uh, match with Sheamus. They beat the hell out of each other. Raw was a lot of fun, and every segment was successful. Bringing the Hurt Business back is fantastic because I don't want to see Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander get fired. I like those guys. They're wildly entertaining. I'm excited for the six-man they're going to do. I like the finish of Raw where Big E decisively beats Lashley in the end, and then Drew comes out to be the next challenger when they go, I'm guessing, to Saudi Arabia. Like, Stuff happened on every segment of Raw. The, the uh, AJ Styles-Riddle match was great. Uh, the fact that uh, Eva Marie got written off television. Like, there were so many fun little moments throughout Raw. I, I don't know what it was, but this was a, a really solid three hours of TV when Raw, as the, as the resident expert of sitting through every minute of Raw, uh, when it's actually good, it's startling to me that they find, kind of figured it out. Um, my my low spot this week. Look, I, <laughs> I I go on the I go on the Facebook group because I love you guys and I want to see what you guys are saying. And somebody posted an article from one of the fucking dirt sheets because during Extreme Rules, which was a shitty, terrible pay per view that we suffered through, and the only way for me to make it through it was to tweet the misery of this. Ricochet liked one of the tweets, pointing out how fucking idiotic the top rope collapse was, and the internet starts writing, oh, Ricochet liked an anti-WWE tweet, and then they put him in a 24-7 match. put over Raw, folks. What, Dan? I said, this is a guy you just put over Raw. Yeah, I put over Raw. They put it on Raw to punish Ricochet for liking my tweet. They put him in a 24-7 match with Reggie, and it wound up being a hell of a lot of fun. Um, and Didn't uh, it end in a DQ? It ended in a DQ, which was stupid, but basically it was, it was that moment where Ricochet and Osprey did the stupid little flipping around and dance off stuff, but it was Reggie and Ricochet. And I'm like, all right, they made the most of being on television, but like, guys, it's, it's, it's fucking Twitter. Like, relax. All right. They're, they're, if you think this is the reason why Ricochet's career is being uh, derailed, then uh, you're probably right. Because, you know, Vince is very technical savvy. He knows what's going on everywhere. He knows how many TikTok views gets. 
Um, but I mean, just Please. just chill the uh, fuck out. Let me let me translate that for Robert. Uh, guys, listen, man, Ricochet's the only wrestler that hasn't blocked me. Much. <laughs> <laughs> Please just let him keep this. I really need those. Robert's lowest I need spot this. was a humble brag. <laughs> no, my lowest spot was genuinely getting pissed that this made it into like the fucking uh, exciting world of the dirt sheets. There's more. There's more important things going on, like Jackson Riker versus Karrion Cross. Do they at least write Wrestle Roast Toast? No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm too big for this show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is not physically, but yeah. It's yeah. True otherwise. I mean, it's also... Yeah, Jackson right Riker versus Karrion Cross is basically the week Jackson Riker found out Karrion Cross is Puerto Rican. But it was super fun because Karrion Cross beats the fuck out of him. And while he's hitting him, he's like, fight back, Marine. <laughs> and the commentators got so uncomfortable dude. because of it. They're like, oh. oh. It was so just like, he, that dude doesn't give a fuck. Oh, and uh, for all the fear of Bearcat Keith Lee, it was kind of fun. He, he just like flattened Tazawa and he's just yeah, like. Yeah, he's a heel now. He killed Tazawa, yeah. Which is, yeah, but that's just fine. But you know what? He'll dude, make the most of it. This whole show was devoid of human emotion. And the only way you could enjoy it is if you want to have sex with robots. Robert, do you want to have sex with robots? <laughs> I, I guess by Scott's logic, Dude, there's some fucking like, robots. This is like, how could you sit through this and think it had, it, it, there was no connection. It's like they're all like watching themselves wrestle at this point. Well, because I was watching it on cable TV on a television. You were watching it on your phone through the streaming bootleg that you stole from, no. you know, some Japanese torrent site. So it's a little different. Oh. I, look, I come to porn on this phone, okay? I, raw stunk. It's not the phone's fault. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, Scott has watched two types of gangrel entertainment on his phone. Dude, well, they're booking like I, these crazy matches and you just don't care at all. Like nothing means anything there. They don't even, re like nothing means anything. But I, yeah, I, so It's I, very I, nihilistic. It works. I will say It's it. serial killer shit, man. It's. Respect it. I, I will say this. I will side with Rob. That's the same Scott, Scott, because Scott, you don't watch Raw most weeks, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't either. Um, we we've cho we we have chosen to make less money on the Patreon <laughs> to save our sanity uh, that we don't watch Raw. But Robert watching it every week and then saying, you know what, this one was better. I I trust and believe that because he has no he has no reason to say that otherwise. I. I what? No. <laughs> it's the opposite of that. It's he's watched it so much that his brain is pudding. <laughs> so he went raw, good. Cage match, good. He's critical of it must be. I'm 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 team Robert on this one. Well, I can't I tell the difference between the show and the commercials. I would be team Scott, except for he put over AEW Dark Elevation. <laughs> <laughs> It was a grand slam, bro. It was great. Uh, I don't know, man. Scott, uh, we're going to be doing the dynamite uh, next, but what do you what do you want to promote this week, sir? Uh, Scott underscore Chaplin on Twitter and Instagram. That's it. Oh, should I do the Twitter question? Oh yeah, let's oh. do the Twitter question now. Yeah, and then okay. I'll head out. I'll tell you guys what's next week. All right, you do that, or you want me to do Twitter questions? Do Twitter questions, then I'll tell okay. everybody. All right, so we asked this during Extreme Rolls, yet we, we know what the next WWE show is. 
Um, so this week's Twitter question, what's something that should come packed in with a Mattel WWE Crown Jewel Saudi Arabian playset? So we have at Pander Anchor. I'll tell you what it won't come with, dignity. <laughs> at Chom1AK, a build a Jamal Khashoggi figure that is just separate action figure parts. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's sick fuck. <laughs> I will say that there was a lot of similar answers. I, I picked what I thought were the most creative versions. Um, I'm also uh, proud that our, our fans know current events. So good for you yeah. guys for reading Newsweek. At <laughs> Bertland19 uh, says, 9-11 flight plans. Have you seen graphic the- can. Washable Monopoly money with fake blood. <laughs> at Sis of Death comes with a random Japanese sumo wrestler if you miss the Yokozuna pre-order bonus <laughs> at McCoy 1108 the rarely seen but often heard about sober Chris Jericho action figure <laughs> at Beacox 5503 we all know what isn't in it Lacey Evans because we all know in Saudi Arabia there's no such thing as a woman's right <laughs> KG pile driver intentional delays on shipping at SS Clay Davis 72 virgins at Chris Economatis uh, leather lounge chairs for apathetic oil sheiks to sit in apathetic oil sheik packs sold separately at you like of the Jews one uh, a competently booked Mansoor at <laughs> underscore Tesso Alternate turtlenecks and t-shirts for all the female superstars. At Movie Guy, I guess, a stalled plane, 20 previously released superstars, Shawn Michaels' bank statement, and the Mrs. Dramatic reenactment of the Khashoggi murder. (laughs) And finally, at Terminal Franc, how about a neat little ladder with the Crown Jewel logo, and it's the right size for your figures to have ladder matches? Look, everything doesn't have to be dismemberment this and blood money that. (laughs) Sometimes I just want a fun toy and some happiness. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, best Twitter, best podcast fans in the world. And thank you, everybody who bought a T-shirt. It's been great uh, talking to you. Uh, buy more shirts. Um, and uh, we'll keep calling. Yes. And, I, and, and, and those of you that are, are Scott Shotsman fans, get together, raise money, buy <laughs> one shirt. Oh, man. Sit around a bonfire and have Scott call you and and give you the love you see. Now you know what it is. They're waiting for us to make a Scott Chaplin "It's Dope" shirt with the in the <laughs> AEW font, and then they're gonna fucking buy them like hotcakes. And it's just gonna be just everyone around for a new Japan <laughs> corner. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Fuck! Now we gotta make that shirt. I like that now. Well, let's talk for guy, uh, folks. Please subscribe to the uh, podcast. Listen to it on all platforms, Spot, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that fun stuff. Join our YouTube page. Join the Facebook group. A lot of fun stuff uh, coming on there. Um, check out DS Germain, DanceAntGermain.net, my, uh, my sites. Um, also, uh, next week, we're going to be doing the Roast of Darby Allen, obviously the bright side of Darby Allen. We're going to be doing Tales from the Indies. We haven't done that in a while. Uh, we Must Hate Ourselves World Cup, probably the most evenly matched fight we've had Mantar versus Duke the Dumpster Drosy. Uh, and, and not to <laughs> dynamite or dud. Um, 
Mantar versus Duke the Dumpster Josie was definitely a match that happened on Superstars. There's no way. Sure. Yeah, I think we could get that exact. Mike, what do you got to promote? Um, you know, yeah, my Instagram, Mike Lawrence Comedy, and uh, yeah, the Facebook group. I love interacting with everybody. Buy shirts. We'll talk to you. I talked to a really nice dude. Um, and yeah, you buy a shirt. You pick one of us to call you, and we'll call you. And uh, we'll talk wrestling and other dumb shit. So, yeah. And Robert. I'm going to promote the rest of the show because this isn't the closing. We still have to talk about Dynamite. All right. Spoiler alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. It was dope. Yes, yeah, it was, it, was the, it was dope. I don't know what I was thinking. Raw was terrible compared to how amazing Dynamite was. That Dark like Order implosion in was incredible. Um, magical stuff. It's got Just, a pulse. We'll All right, adios, one. boys. All right, folks, let's get to Dynamite. Oops, let me zoom through hour one. Hour one, Adam Culver's Jungle Boy, uh, an elite promo. Super elite, I guess, now. Lucha Bros backstage, Cody and Lee Johnson versus Matt Seidel and Dante Martin with Arn Anderson going fucking nuts afterwards. <laughs> Mox, best. what? I said it's the best promo. <laughs> it, it's pretty good, man. Uh, I wish all, you know, like the whole time I was thinking like, why can't Jake's promos be like this? Um, Mox Darby Kingston versus Bear Country and some other guy I've never seen. So I did not take the time i i said about this guy trent beretta looks terrible but peter avalon looks great yeah. it's yeah, rick boogs off the gas my, my thought on this match because we don't need any further or at least i don't need to say any further thoughts was it felt like like the whole match was picture in picture but it was just the whole screen <laughs> well i i will say that um you know, this is just my general note, which I shared with Mike before we before we started recording, is that uh, this whole show was like a shit sandwich with delicious bread. Like, the like just the beginning, the ending, beginning and closing, I fucking loved, and a bunch of stuff in the middle. I was like, what? what? Uh, Robert, what did you think of this show before we start breaking it down segment by segment? It was uh, like a frozen TV dinner. Um, yeah. you, you knew what you were getting. Nothing was exciting about it. And, uh, it, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was not satisfying, but it, it filled up two hours of time. I don't know, man. We got a new TNT champion though. And we got fucking well, that's hour two. jungle boy. Yeah. Oh, it's hour two. That's right. That was hour two. Yeah. I mean, look, Cole and jungle boy was, it was fine. I thought it was a good match. Punk oh, being on great. commentary makes it so much more fun. Um, Poor Jim Ross was totally lost on commentary with this. They're, they they bring it out and they're talking about how Adam Cole's song is number one in the metal charts. They talk about it for two minutes. And then there's just silence and Jim Ross goes, uh, you know, Adam Cole has the number one rock song. And I was like, oh, JR has no fucking clue what's going on in this show. Um, I also like punk. It's, like, it's like when grandma puts the uh, fucking iron in the freezer. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> Uh, poor, if, if I could uh, be old fat hillbilly's advocate for just one sec here, um, I wait. You got to be more specific. Which who on the show are you talking about? <laughs> the one without the earring. Um, oh, okay. The uh, no when because um, I think what like Excalibur says it's the number one metal song, and then I think Jr. says number one rock song too, and it is two different charts. <sighs> Jesus Christ. 
I like Mike, bringing up the Lloyd's of London thing. That was clever. Uh, Mike, Mike's autism just really shone through that last game. Yeah, yeah, it did. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> the, Nobody the drop was, a bag of marbles around him. Match was good. That that being the elite interview after with Danielson felt very NWO Nitro, where they were just kind of eating up time, having fun. And I don't like Danielson. Like, this sounds weird. But I don't like him cursing. No. Like him talking about how he has no balls. It's like he always seems slightly classier than that. And I don't like that. That's kind of what they he didn't need it him either. Into. Like another guy needs the balls thing. Yeah. Like, look, it, I, I don't, I didn't love it, but if you're like, I don't know, Sean Spears and you come up with a good balls line and it helps you sell some shirts, I get it. But it's Daniel Bryan does not need that. Came up with balls of Jericho in the second hour. You hold on to that. You clutch it. <laughs> you clutch it. <the> <laughs> Um, it's, it's embarrassing, like, yeah, because, you know, when you see that, when you see him do balls and shit and stuff, it's like, was this, did you think you were held back not being able to do this in WWE? Because, like, your character was better for not doing that. <laughs> exactly. It's it's tarnishing it when you don't, when you don't need it. Um, the, it's like, it's, you know, it's like Jay Leno doing dirty material. It doesn't make sense. It's like, no, you can stick with your, uh, yeah, you can stick with your PG stuff. Um, hey, guys, yeah, makes- the hook is in one of the thousand trunks I own. <laughs> hey, you guys, you guys have a Felcher girl. It's pretty good. It's pretty, you guys ever do a Cleveland steamer? <laughs> the, um, the most confusing part in this first hour, and look, I get it. They don't want to do scripted promos. God bless you. But that Lucha Brothers Andrade segment was seven Andrade, people man. lost we, All right, before we get to that segment, oh. I do have to say, Adam Cole and Jungle Boy, I thought that was a terrific match. And I, and I, and I love, man, I, I'm sold on Adam Cole, dude. I think he may be the best wrestler on the planet. Which is like a crazy. I'm telling you, man. I mean, the guy's amazing. In the ring, his facials are fucking perfect. I know he's not the biggest guy in the world, but damn, man, everything that guy does is good. He's always great. Everything he does is good. He needs to be more protective of his finishing moves. I didn't love Jungle Boy kicking out of the the Panama Sunrise or whatever it is. But it's that's like not his, 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 his finishing is the wizard now, right? The flying wizard. Whatever. I don't know. He's got like six finishing moves. Like you got to establish one and go with it. I just think the Panama Sunrise looks really impressive and be a little bit protective of it. Jungle Boy is very good. It's also weird because they always portray Jungle Boy as small, but then him and Cole were the same size. And that was, I mean, Mike, like, I could read Mike's mind while I'm going on. Like, Mike's going to be like, see, I told you, Adam, Cole, Adam Cole's tiny. Yeah, he's a baby. Um, what was, <laughs> what, what was funny was when he took his fucking uh, knee pad off and, and someone on, on the Facebook uh, uh, board like also mentioned this, and it's something I immediately thought of as like, dude, you need all the fucking padding you can get because – and bony ass legs. I just don't buy it as being impactful. I will say this. You sound like Monique talking about other women right now. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. That bony ass legs. Some more cannot do my set, all right? <laughs> I get more love than Lonnie. <laughs> all right. Well, what, I was say, uh, he's over. I can't deny that. People love him. Um, he does babyface shit. Like the whole opening song and all that is pure babyface stuff um there's nothing like i i feel like he's gonna break away from the elite at some point because I, do i think he's the best wrestler on the planet no but i do think he is one of the most over guys in the company i can't i you know even though he's not my, a guy i love like 
I hear what I hear, and it's you know he's fucking people love him, and the the match was Mike, really good. Mike, as a reward for being begrudgingly positive, I'm gonna let you comment on Andrade's promo. No me gusta. Uh, <laughs> really bad. The the Harold Ramis guy finally talked. We still don't know who he is. Uh, Her Geraldo Ramis is just what I'm gonna call that guy because <laughs> I don't know what he is. He's just there. Uh, also, his is Andrade's new character booking the tag division? <laughs> it's don't even. It's so weird. And Pac isn't there, and he's at bad at Pac still. It's just really. I mean, here's here's the good thing about this company, in in many ways, is they do so much. There are so many stories advanced on an episode, and it's okay that they're not all great. You know, and it's okay that some of them will be concluded on Rampage or continue on Dark so that we don't have to <laughs> watch them when we're reviewing Dynamite. It, you know, like to me, Andrade and Pac and all that is a great Rampage feud, and you can keep that shit there. Uh, the guy should not be talking. It, it is amazing how unspectacular. Like, you look at him and Malachi, and they came, what, like within two weeks of each other. And Malachi is this fucking world beater who makes people want to take, uh, you know, their guns out. And the other dude, it's just like, it's just a guy on the roster you forget is there. What a seamless transition to Robert commenting on the Cody of it all. Robert, what did you think of this match? And what did you think of the post-match promo from uh, NRA Dad of the Year, Arn Anderson? So, yeah, so I don't know if this was the plan all along and they knew the crowd was going to turn on Cody or they wanted to just, as of last week, or force it along. They booked this match to get Cody booed, and it worked. Um, I like Dante. I like Seidel. I would have liked them to have won in theory, but I get where you're going with the story. Arn Anderson is putting his heart and soul into making Cody matter. Um He's trying to tie in the audience not liking him and everything that happens makes sense that, you know, hey, I'm too damn old to go out there and do this myself. But if uh, if it was me that got, you know, carjacked, I'd pull a gun on him and shoot him in the head, which was pretty fucking weird. And then it was, I don't manage losers. Oh, that's babyface upstate New York shit, though. Yes, that's, that's clear. That's babyface Art Anderson in the South. Um they're trying. I I don't know. I I like heel. I like slow heel Cody. I like Cody being the guy that's going to be mad that the crowd turned on him, and eventually he's going to renege on the stipulation of he can never challenge for the title, and that's going to be a great heel moment. Right now, I just I don't know that they necessarily know exactly where they're going with it, but that Arn Anderson kid's a, a decent promo. Mike, what do you think of this? Oh, it's hilarious! It, it's so fun. Um... It's bewildering. Uh, it's uh, I'm Arn Anderson. Damn it! Like, yeah, this was this was great. The reason Jake can't do this promo is because an investigation would happen right after. <laughs> um, I, it is. I, I have to point out how funny it is to me that Arn's like, I can't. Also, I, in that story, Jake would have definitely been the one that was shot, right? That's who Arn was talking about. <laughs> was yeah. Jake trying to stick him up for his car? Yeah, and uh, you know, but 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 but. Uh, that's how we met Big Shoddy Lee Johnson. <laughs> and so does I, I think the guy's name is Ken Hanley. Uh, I just stopped looking at his Facebook right now, but said about like that someone should have like used uh, like the only way to stop him is with scissors. 
<laughs> kind of gone. And then I was like, that's the new game, Glock, Paper, Scissors. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was so funny because, like, yeah, when he says, like, I can't do it because I'm too old. And then Sting is in the next segment doing a wrestling move, and they're six months apart. <laughs> yeah, well, Sting didn't eat another Arn Anderson in those fucking 30 years. <laughs> but it's also funny that, like, because this storyline is so weird and all over the place. Like, this is the anger that feels like should have come out after you watch your son get beat up, not like a month after. And I also, I guess, I don't know where it leads because is there a third Cody Malachi match? I guess, but I don't want to see that. But I also love that Arm pointed out the whole you lost and you chuck your boot off. What the fuck were you doing? I love that. <laughs> that was great. That was like, this booking makes no sense. Um, and then, you know, you come out there to, to worry about me. Don't, don't worry about me. Like, just don't be a fucking loser. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. And, and then Lee Johnson felt like he was the heel here. Yeah, he's like, at least you listen to me. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to my Mazda. You know where the gun is. Right. Cody's a loser. Stay tuned and watch his reality show. I, yeah, it was a weird, like, I really thought that um, Cody would have gotten the pin in this. And I, I will say, and I know I've said this, like, I think once before, I don't think that Dante Martin should be taking the losses if he doesn't have to. I, I don't know why you don't pin Seidel. Like, you know, Dante is one of those newer homegrown guys that they have that has, like, a limitless future who is really getting over just by being in the ring. Seidel is a journeyman guy. Let, let him take the pins. Am I wrong there? No, you're not wrong. And Punk did an amazing job of putting Dante over. He's like, this is why I can't, you know, this is the kind of guy I want to wrestle yeah. when I'm back. Punk on commentary was, was, was a home Dude, run he's the, the best. I think he's better than Pat McAfee. I think he may be the best commentator. Wait, because he's actually allowed to talk about what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, I guess that's an unfair handicap. All right, let's get to hour two. We get a Britt Baker promo. We Hold on, I, really, I just want to point out something real quick. Just We just literally did it. You had Moxley, Eddie Kingston, and Darby Allen in a six-man tag that meant absolutely nothing to the point where we're just like, it's not even worth talking about. Like, this has to go somewhere. This has to lead to well, Moxley being like... we already talked like, about it, that's why, but yes. Not it, really, but it, I just I feel like it has to get to some point of Moxley being like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm wasting my time. There are whole ones spot in this match that I, I did love that I, I will because I've never seen it but when Kingston and Moxley no sold that guy's crossbody yes it was fucking hilarious felt like a house show I like that uh, I also like Sting coming out of the ring trying to undo the barricade not being able to hop over it was a great little old man moment and and, and, and one thing because you know Scott's not here but but Scott brought this up and I, and I feel like we should talk about it because uh, it happens in the first hour. And it does happen again in the second hour, which could lead us into it. But his, his complaint was uh, with Punk on commentary, people chant CM Punk a lot. Um, like they did it during the elite segment. They did it. Well, he will be talking about this on his own review. This is a plug for our Patreon. Um, Scott will be, if you're a patron and you want Scott's opinion on this, uh, he will be dropping it on our Patreon, so check okay. it out. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's eleven seconds. It's dope, and that's it. I mean, my, my my thing about it is like, Punk has some special deal where he has to be on television every week, and people want to see him. You know, like because it was fast. There was something different about this episode than other episodes that I noticed. 
because you know it's autism time or just shit I pay attention to. The first match didn't start till six minutes in, and a lot of times dynamite, you put it on exactly at like, you know, eight eight oh one. That's because everybody loved the theme songs, man. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. It feels like a different company now, and I don't know if that's a bad thing, but like. Um, you know, Cult of Personality took two minutes, Jungle Boy and then Adam Colt. Like, these are three of your biggest theme songs back to back to back. And then your match doesn't start till six minutes in. I, I like I like punk on commentary. I mean, I love them on commentary. I do wonder, like, if you are the paying customer that goes to the show, would you rather him do a promo? Probably, right? Um, sure. Maybe he did though, after it was over, you don't, you, that happens a lot. I mean, yeah. St- Steve used to end raw every time by like doing a fucking 20 minute promo to the crowd, you know? Cause I also, I wonder, like, I want to see him in a feud. Like he does seem like a guy who's, you know, you know the problem, I, I, Mike, I, yeah, you, you, I agree with you. You know, the problem is I realize like, they like they had that match with Powerhouse Hobbs and Team Taz, and that's great. And you don't want to graduate Punk too fast, but also it's kind of weird. Now it just feels like he should be feuding with MJF, right? I mean, that's kind of what it feels like. Like it feels okay. like yeah. like like these two of the biggest mouths in the company. They have to be talking to one another. It's just it's unrealistic if they didn't at this point. Right, but it's the same way that the crowd chanted for Punk when Kenny was going to talk, and they're like, yeah. "We want to see Kenny." And so the crowd is telling you what you want. There's nothing, there's no program to give punk right now. He's, he's not going to keep working with, with team Taz. It doesn't seem like in the immediacy, even though I thought him and Ricky Starks kind of makes some sense if they're going to go somewhere with, with punk to do anywhere that he winds up working, either it's a, it's a main event program or he's stuck fighting the Hardy family. Right. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. I think MJF is the next, the next destination I, I don't think that punk i don't i don't think punk would want to fight kenny omega now i don't think he's like ready he's still got too much ring rust but i was trying to remember the other time they chanted his name and it was the mjf promo when he was like laying into darby for being straight edge and you know he already has the connection with darby and you are waiting for it and it is like fucking swelling and swelling and it's like he's right there and <laughs> right and you got the lesser version yeah. Well, you know, maybe th- maybe this is like a slow roll into that storyline. Like MJF will beat up Darby, and then Punk will come to his aid. I mean, I just think that they they may like this is a feud, like a CM Punk MJF feud. Like we don't need that to be two weeks before Full Gear. Like the whole thing about that feud is the match is going to be whatever. You know, it'll probably be good, right? But the, promo. but the promos leading up to it and the and the weeks and weeks of shoot promo, promos between MJF and Punk that's why that's why you want it you want it for TV really because yeah, um, also Punk hasn't taken his verbal licks yet and MJF is going to do it better than anybody so you might as well let him do it first right i yeah agree. but do you want to put Max in another feud where he's definitely going to lose where it's gonna you're against an older guy. He just got, he just finished the Jericho feud where he lost, and he's now gonna he's gonna beat Darby. I mean, before he faces Punk, I think it's fine if he loses. Like he can, because the thing about that character that's great is he always loses in a way w- which he doesn't acknowledge it, and I think it's okay. And I think that just being in a ring with Punk, even if he loses, will elevate him. And you know new fans who are watching now because of punk 
who already like this MJF guy, once they see them interact, they're going to fucking adore him. I thought for sure, I mean, as dumb as it sounds, I thought that Punk was going to wind up stepping into the uh, Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page thing. Because Scorpio Sky, when he was talking, this Dan Lambert segment, when Scorpio Sky is talking about what felt like a pipe bomb, which was, I've been here since day one, I've won titles, I've grabbed your brass ring, and it's still not good enough, and I should be a main eventer, that's going feud with Punk. Like, it was sitting right there, there's an interesting story to tell, and it didn't go anywhere. That would be an interesting story to tell, but I, I don't think uh, CM Punk wants to be associated anything with shoot fighting right now. So, yeah, no. No. Uh, hour two, we have Britt Baker's promo. We have, I don't even know what the fucking name of this faction is. It keeps getting better, bigger, uh, not better. The Hardly, Hardly, Hardy family business uh, versus Dark Order. Um, and then there's Lambert Mania, which we which Robert just touched on briefly. Penelope Ford and Bunny versus Ty Conti and Anna Jay, an MJF Darby segment. And uh, to top it all off, a really awesome Sammy Guevara TNT title win against the uh, great redeemer Miro. I, I guess I'll just start from the end, but, you know, like Sammy uh, did fantastic. Friend of the show, obviously. Uh, great uh, – Great title win. Very, it was surprising. Do I th- do I think that Miro could have probably held on to it a little longer? Yes, but look, man. I mean, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with like, you know, if this leads to a, a every TNT title match, uh, Sammy Guevara's in it for the next couple months. I mean, those are all going to be fantastic matches. So, uh, what did you think about this uh, title win, Robert? Yeah, it felt kind of out of nowhere in the sense that. I, there was, I feel like there was more of an opportunity to tell this story going forward. I, I didn't want to beat Miro yet. The crowd felt tired for the first part of this. Like, this yeah. audience was spent because the show should – I get why they put this on at the main event. I assumed that the Dark Order stuff was going to close the show because the crowd really reached the apex of their energy, cheering at the end of that, and rightfully so. And everything was just sort of descending energy after that the audience didn't feel fully behind Sammy as opposed to other towns they've been in where Sammy got a main event reaction. They came alive at the end when there was the last three or three minutes or so, the audience was super rabid, but there was a lot of quiet spots during this, which were not deserved because Sammy was working his ass off. Um, It was a fine finish. I'm sure, I guess we're going to get a a rematch for this at some point. Um, I think we all had other people we wanted to see unseat Miro to get that that push, uh, and instead uh, it was it was Sammy, and hopefully this will propel him going forward. It also made me remember, like forget like oh yeah he's in inner circle, and there are still factions in this company that exist because he came out wearing the vest, but nobody else in inner circle seems to uh, seems to be anywhere. Mike, did you like this match? I did. I did. Um, I, I am a big Sammy fan. I, I totally agree on the inner circle of it all. I mean, you know, the the beginning of this hour, you had uh, FTR, and they st- they mentioned the pinnacle. And it's like, yeah. are they still a thing? You know, is uh, the inner circle? Like, I, I get Sammy with Fuego, because that is the direct story they've been telling. But, like, Marco Stunt was out there, and, like, one of the Dark Order guys, I, I think Angels, uh, I'm not sure. And then, um, but it should have been at least like Santana, Ortiz, 
you know, uh, something. Uh, it was, it was that, so that was weird to me, but I did like Sammy winning. I mean, I thought there was more meat on the Kingston Miro of it all with the low blow finish and everything. But, you know, this was a fun moment. And I really think, and it's not something we talked about yet with this episode, this being a, a Brody Lee tribute episode. And I think that was part of the reason they did uh, a, a positive babyface title change here. I really, I really love what they did um, with the Brody stuff. Uh, you know, we had the Dark Order match, then we had Anna and, and Ty, and, and, you know, they both went over. They were just fun, crowd-pleasing matches. Um, I love that they were honoring this guy because they were in his hometown. And I think to me that that means a lot more than if they did it on the anniversary of his passing. I think there's something, I, I love that there are kind of uh, themes within the episodes. You know, when we went to Cincinnati and it was Moxley and, and Pillman and, you know, Britsburg and, you know, and last night was very much that with, you know, negative one and, and uh, you know, the Brody tributes and the signs and, and how much everybody loved them. I, there was something really classy about that. That's one of the things I really like about the company is that it didn't feel like something they did for ratings. It felt like something they did for the people in the arena. Um, and, and that, I, I don't know, that deserves to be commended to me. Um, I'll say, I didn't know who that eighth guy in the Hardy thing was. Who got the, yeah, who is that guy? Oh, the Rock stunt double? I, I have no idea. I was like, is that bloated Maven? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that I was, didn't know who that was. Has he been in the group? The I Joel feel like that's Woods? the way you get people in AEW now is that like you just sneak like you hey, you know how you like sneak friends in high school parties? Yeah. It, it's like the same thing where it's like, no, bro, just show up, be part of our faction, and eventually Tony's gonna hire you. That's how it works. I what I don't get is that because like I guess they wanted Orange out there because he's over, but like if Orange isn't out there, then it's seven on seven, and you could have just had that guy not there. <laughs> It was yeah. like the whole time I'm watching, you know, and he took all the offense at the end where the crowd went over, like went fucking crazy. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Oh, and since we're, since we're talking about that match, the uh, like 15 on 15 match, the only thing I was waiting for that entire match that never happened was I wanted to hear Punk acknowledge Colt Cabana's existence, and he never did. Wow. Dude, I didn't even think about The that. whole thing I was watching, I'm like, are they really going to have Punk on commentary for a Colt Cabana match? Because the last time Punk got taken out on commentary before Colt was out there. So this is the first time they were wow. in the same space at the same time. And Punk never mentions him. Excalibur is the one that brings up Colt Cabana being there. Because he's in the match, right? He's in the match. He's one of the wrestlers. But anytime <laughs> yeah, he did anything, <laughs> it was just awkward silence. It was like being around like divorced a divorced couple at a party. It was very uncomfortable. Um, I, I you're the one who mentioned it, Robert. Like the the Dean Martin Jerry Lewis of it all. If we got some kind of camaraderie moment, but I mean, maybe it just isn't genuinely there yet between those guys. I, I don't I don't think it's there. But and and to your point, the the Brody Lee stuff they did was. Uh, was really fantastic. I didn't realize they were they were doing that in advance. I hadn't seen any of the stuff, and um, since and, and I and I actually I was friends with Brody, so it was a very it was a bit of a gut punch when I first saw it. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a tough two hours to get through, but it was very positive. It was really well done. They weaved in this. I feel like they started doing the Dark Order split because they knew they were getting to this show. 
And I'm kind of hoping that was how it is. Like I just picture Tony Khan as that Charlie Day meme where he has all the strings behind him on a board with everything connected. And he's like, we're going to tease this Dark Order turn for weeks and weeks and weeks so that they all reunite here because of negative one and, uh, and, and Brody's wife. And I'm like, if that was their goal, that's fucking brilliant storytelling. If they stumbled into this, hey, that, that happens too. Yeah, and then um, what what else was in this? Oh, the, yeah, Lambert. I mean, I didn't mention enough about this. <laughs> the thing is, like, fucking, there are these manly manly men. By by the way, um, I looked up what the definition of a millennial is, and it is anyone born between 1981 and 96. And both Scorpio and Ethan Page are very much millennials. Uh, <laughs> Ethan Page was born in 89, uh, Scorpio 83. Uh, so Ethan, definitely a millennial, uh, according to that. But was Scorpio doing a fucking Sonic the Hedgehog reference? Yeah, what the fuck was that? It was like... I reached for the Sonic ring. Oh, but it, like, at least be the character a little bit. <laughs> and dude, like, and, and he got something that I have not heard in aw yet <laughs> correct me if i'm wrong the what chance he got fucking he got whatted because i heard the shut the fuck up chant that was fun no that was Lam- lambert got that then scorpio talked and he started getting what chance then ethan page talked and he was good he's a great promo man he was awesome he's a very good promo underrated promo underrated all around the tightest tits was really funny but the fact that um they stopped doing the what's. He he silenced them on the what's. But like, Scorpio is a really talented wrestler. He just feels very uncomfortable in this role. Well, he's just. I think everyone. It doesn't help we live in the internet age uh, because like, and everybody has had nothing but great things to say about that guy, Scorpio Sky. Mm-hmm. So it's like you like he just doesn't. You don't get him to hate you. You just don't naturally hate the guy for whatever reason. You know, he just doesn't have that. He doesn't have that face that re- that you naturally hate, like like a Dan Lambert. Right. Yeah. And his promo made total sense. It was, I've been busting my ass here this whole time. I've done everything you want me to do, and I'm not getting an opportunity to, to succeed. And like, well, fuck, that does, that's kind of, a lot of the guys in the locker room probably feel that way that started in AEW, like a Joey Janela or something, and, and they're on, they're in, his entire, Joey Janela's entire heel turn and feud has existed only on Dark. Yeah. And I mean, it's funny too, because like in this hour, you had like a Hikaru Shida promo where she's like, I may get my 50th win next week. And I'm like, I don't remember you from the last six months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that that was like a good thing, good way to bring her back in a weird way. Yeah. You know, where it's like, remember, I'm still really good. But uh, what did you guys think before we uh, sign off here? What did you think of the MJF Darby promo? I loved it. Um, I thought it was really fun. I'll let you go next, Robert, because I, I, I know that you're a little heartbroken that you were teased and not mentioned. Uh, <laughs> but, um, no, this was, this was fucking – I mean, MJF is the best heel in wrestling right now and, and one of the best ever because you look at other heels in the company, on the show, and how people react to them. You know, he doesn't get the shut-the-fuck-up chance. He doesn't get the what chance. He doesn't get pops. He gets real genuine heat. The shit with Darby, the wrong man died. I mean, as a big walk hard fan, I love that. 
<laughs> it was it was so fun. Um, he really I, the school shooter line. I, I think was something else. Like Scott mentioned uh, to me and you, Dan, of like, or was it you? Like, I I can't believe that aired that they that they that that got. <laughs> I can't believe something so accurate aired. Yeah, no, but still, it did. It was, it was. I mean, it was dead on and fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah, this is. I mean, dude, if we, uh, I, I think. Oh, the thing I loved the most about this was the talk of, and I don't think they've ever brought up the four pillars of Jungle Boy, Sammy, uh, yeah, Harvey and MJF, which. Which to me really does feel like five, and you b- would put Paige there, right? Am I wrong there? He definitely feels like one of. The- uh, yeah, but it's kind of weird. He was almost like at a higher spot when he started. Yeah, but I love I love that they even acknowledge that these are the homegrown guys, and and you really do look at how far they've all come, and that's you know a credit to their talent and the booking. Um, it was really uh, yeah. I'm excited to see what happens next. I I like that. Darby didn't just attack him. I like I like when the show feels different. I like that Punk wasn't attacked again. Like he said, I've got the Lloyds of London and I'm protecting myself so I won't get attacked. And then he didn't get attacked. It makes the show feel different if the same shit doesn't happen every time. So I'm excited to see where this goes. And I love how many live MJF promos we've gotten recently because he's the best at it. Robert. Uh, yeah, this, I mean, if, if this was my, this would have been my high spot of the week. It's pretty much con- always happening. Max's promos are second to none. Um, you, you put him out there. He's doing the, the old ECW thing of you're acknowledging the other companies and you're acknowledging the other options of, you know, I'm the youngest, uh, I'm the guy who, who opened this company. I'm the youngest guy to ever main event. If I don't start getting what I want, I'm going to go, I'm going to go elsewhere. You know, we talked about Tony Khan. You're one of my two favorite cons. It's like, we're winking at the crowd of, I know Nick Khan. He brought up, he invoked Bruce Pritchard. He's like, I got Bruce's number on the phone. Um, It's this idea of I'm a bigger star than what you have here. And you have to cater to me if you want me to stick around. And WWE would never do that because they're not going to acknowledge there's another wrestling company in the world. It gives AEW a real advantage that they can talk about the entire tapestry of wrestling. They brought up Gorilla Monsoon on commentary, talking about how he was from Rochester. They're they're not afraid. Well, that's because JR thought he was there. Well, yeah, that he he thought that. Well, Punk was looking a little pudgy, but uh, <laughs> it's I, I love that you can just acknowledge the the broader universe that there is and acknowledge that the WWE is there and use it in your promo as a threat of you guys have four young guys that you're going to build on in the future. I'm the brightest star. And if I don't start getting what I want, I'm going to go elsewhere. Uh, I think the, the, the feud with him and Darby will be a lot of fun. Those guys have great chemistry with each other when they do wrestle. Um, we've done stuff, fun stuff with them in the past. There's, there's a lot of opportunities to do wacky things here. I have a feeling they'll, they'll use this to take out Sting and really start fucking with Darby. And maybe this is the backdoor to getting to CM Punk uh, and, and MJF at, at some point. But uh, it's going to be a great, great opportunity for Max to have a feud with someone who's not 50-something years old. And I think that these guys are going to do the young guy, young guy, homegrown talent feud that AEW needs to, to balance out all of the, hey, we're bringing in this guy, we're bringing in this guy, we're bringing in this guy. I'm glad they didn't bring Bray Wyatt out on this show. And I think that the, the Darby-MJF feud is a very homegrown feud. 
And if they pull Sammy into this and you get a triple threat out of that, that's going to be fucking awesome. Or a four-way with these three and Jungle Boy, the pay-per-view for the TNT title, and just highlighting we have all this great young talent. Oh, yeah, that's great. Like a four pillars mash. I think yeah. they're, you're, you're planting the seeds for it. And, and, yes, I was disappointed when Max invoked MLW and, and, didn't, uh, and didn't say he was calling me because clearly I have more sway than, than Bruce. <laughs> all right I did, folks i did love uh punk's line on that. <laughs> it's not, everyone has his number <laughs> that popped me i mean yeah it's the, the, the dude is yeah it, it's so funny that dan lambert is shitting on young people and millennials and every fucking week a 24 year old blows him out of the water <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, I think he just wants to play wrestler. I mean, it's good advertisement, you know, it's good advertisement for his fucking, uh, his gym. I mean, the guys, I mean, the guys, I mean, I, I guess everybody already knew about it, but. It's you know, 10 it's, minutes down the road from my house and I'm not fucking going there. Yeah, so what, it didn't work what, that well. What, what he should start advertising is deep breaths and periods. <laughs> His promos have none. No, he, yes, he has. He has the uh, promo skills of Pete Rose at WrestleMania, but lacks the charisma of Pete Rose at WrestleMania. Or, or the fun instinct to go. How about it? How about it? Um, all right, folks. This was our Dynamite review.